Well, good morning, everybody. How many people are glad that our government says we can remain open as an essential? And I am so honored that we are able to gather on site. And with 15% capacity, welcome to all of you here on site and here in the main auditorium, those in an overflow room and those who have joined us online and to our many guests here and guests from across our city, across Canada, and even from around the world. How many of you wonderful people are ready for God's word? Come on, are you ready? Are you ready for God's word? Well, before I introduce our new sermon series, I want to give a shout out to the boys and girls during this 28-day stay-at-home order. We thought it was safer to have boys and girls with moms and dads, and so we welcome all of our WOW kids, and WOW kids, we've got a gift for you on the way out this morning, and you'll see one of your children's pastors outside. They've got something for you, and make sure you see them on the way out. Well, we're beginning today a brand new eight-part sermon series that we're going to call Clarify. That's a great word, and clarify simply means to move from confusion to clarity, and I just feel the Lord stirring me in a number of topics to talk to you over these next eight Sundays about Clarify. And so today, I want to take you to, uh, uh, to the theme, what the Bible has to say about what you have. There's an interesting title. We're going to clarify that, what the Bible has to say about what you have, about your talents, about your gifts, your abilities, your possessions, your money, everything that you have. What does the Bible have to say about that? And to explore that subject today, I want to take you to one of the parables of Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. So if you brought your Bible this morning, hard copy, handheld device, go to Matthew 25, and we're going to explore verse 14 down to verse 30. We're going to look today for a couple of moments at the parable of the bags of gold. And I want to offer to you today seven life-changing stewardship principles. I honestly believe from my heart that if we allow Holy Spirit to bring these principles to application in our life, we will never be the same again individually or corporately as a church. Could you bow your heads? I just feel we need to pause and pray before we come to God's word. Father, Thank you for this amazing church. It's great to see so many on site. It's great to have so many who have joined online. I pray God, youngest to eldest, give us ears to hear, hearts to receive. And I pray God that your word would speak life and encouragement in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. The parable of the gold, the parable of the bags of gold, seven stewardship principles. First thing I want to share with you, number one, is what you have. What you have is not your own, number one. What you have is not your own. I've been praying all week that Holy Spirit would, would allow this not just to be in our heads, but in our hearts. That we'd understand that we are, we are not an owner, we are a manager. We are, we are not the master, we're the manager. We're, we're not the sovereign, we're the servant. We've got responsibilities. He's got rights. We're called to be stewards. And when we understand the stewardship idea in the Bible, it simply means this, using the God-given resources that God has entrusted to you for kingdom God purposes. God, take what I have and use it for your glory. I'm not the owner. I'm the manager. I'm a steward. I'm entrusted with this. I want you to look at verse 14, and the first word is again. Everybody say the word again. One, two, three, again. 
Again means he's following up on something that he already talked about. And you look at your Bible, the parable before is the parable of the ten virgins. And he ends that parable in verse 13. Keep watch because you don't know but the day or the hour. You jump back to Matthew chapter 24 and he's talking about end times. And he actually says, nobody knows the return, not the angels in heaven, not even the son, only the father in heaven. It's interesting that this stewardship parable falls on the heels about the soon return of Jesus. Here's the application. If we believe Jesus is coming back soon, and I do, I believe that we are in end times. I believe Jesus could come back today. I'd be cool with that. I believe Jesus is coming back soon. All the more that these stewardship principles need to be lived out. So, so let's, let's allow Holy Spirit to get in our spirit that, that I am not an owner. I'm a manager. I'm a steward. And so the first word is the word again. Look at verse 14. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. And so Jesus gives a parable, which is a story, and he gives an understanding that everybody got because in those days, these guys would often go on a long trip for a long time and entrust their, their wealth and their possessions to the servants. Say, I'm leaving. You take care of this. Do something with it. Multiply it. Bring something good out of this. I trust you. I'll be back down the, ro- down, down the road at some other time. And often they went away for months. We're not talking days or weeks, often months. And because of travel that was difficult in those days, they really didn't know when their, when their master was coming back, when the owner of the possessions was coming back. And so he said, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. The Bible says in Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord and everything in it. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8 says the gold is mine and the silver is mine. And so I'm I'm really praying that God would move it from my head to my heart that it's not my car, it's not my house, it's not my money, it's it's all God's. He's, He's entrusted it to me. And sometimes where the rubber meets the road is with our money. And you hear teaching on tithing that we're to give 10% to God through our local church. And people go, what? I'm supposed to give 10% of my money to God until they realize it's not our money. It's God's money. He's entrusted it to us. In fact, Malachi tells us that we're not giving the tithe. We're returning the tithe. We're giving back to him what is already his. And then he wants us. I was hoping for a little amen, by the way. And then we take the 90% and we say, God, I want to manage that for your kingdom. Now, watch this. If you really get this principle in your spirit, every money decision, every life decision will be a spiritual decision. Every life decision will have a kingdom mentality. God, I only want to do what will advance your kingdom. God, it's not my abilities, not my talent, not my possessions, not my money. It's yours. What do you want me to do in and through this? What you have is not your own. Number two, you were given what you can handle. So God entrusts to you what you can handle. And we're going to learn in just a moment that your, your, uh, your responsibility is tied to your ability. Now watch this. Let's look at verse 15. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags of gold. To another, one bag of gold. Each according to his ability. 
And then in the parable, he goes on his journey. Now, if you got the King James Version, it doesn't say a bag of gold, it says a talent. And the talent was an ancient word for a weight. It was a measurement, a weight. And it meant a weight of gold, or a weight of silver, or a weight of copper. The New International Version calls it a bag of gold. The one gets five bags of gold, the other gets two bags of gold, the other gets one bag of gold, and the talent's the measurement. So my question was, when I was studying this, how much would that be today? What would that be? Bible scholars say that a servant in those days to earn one bag of gold, it would take them 20 years just to earn one bag of gold. So the guy who gets one bag, it's got 20 years worth of your wage. The guy who gets two bags of gold gets 40 years, you do the math in your head, of the income you make in a year. And the guy who gets five bags of gold gets 100 years of your annual wage. Isn't that a lot of money? And he entrusts it to him. Now, the question I had is, why did the one guy get five? Why did the other guy get two? And why did the other guy get one? I got an answer, because the master made a decision. And I feel the Lord saying to me, to the house today, stop comparing your bags of gold. Don't look at someone else and say, why can't I sing like they sing? Why can't I play a guitar like that? Why can't I teach? Why can't, why, why don't I have a house their size? Why don't I have a job? Why? Stop the comparison game. God decides what he's going to entrust to you, and your responsibility is tied to your ability. Did you get that? Your responsibility is linked to your ability. And God is saying, I'm entrusting you with this, and I'm inviting you to be faithful to what I've entrusted. God calls you to faithfulness, and oh, here's a word, from your faithfulness will flow fruitfulness. And fruitfulness will flow from your faithfulness to God with what he's entrusted when you understand that you're not an owner, you're a manager. When you understand you're not sovereign, you're the servant. When you understand that I'm gonna take the resources that God's entrusted to me and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna use it for a kingdom purpose. Now, church, if we believe Jesus is coming back soon, all the more that we've got to get the kingdom principle in mind. I want we as a church corporately, and I want you as an individual to have a kingdom mentality. You can't take your money with you to heaven. You can't take your possessions to heaven. We gotta, we gotta take the abilities, the talents, the giftings, the finances, the resources, and, and say, God, you've entrusted this. I want to use it for your kingdom. Someone give a little clap offering of praise to our Lord God. All right, I want to share with you number three, you must, you must, you must invest what you have been given. You got you to gotta use it for the kingdom, not, not, not squander it, not, not, not bury it, but invest it. So God, I want to I use this. I want, I want a kingdom investment here. So watch this. Let me read verse 16 down to verse 18. The man who received five bags of gold, that's about 100 years worth of wages, he went at once, I love that, immediately. He ran out immediately, and he put his money to work, and he gained five bags more. I don't know how long it took him, but I know he went right away. He said, okay, I'm in, let's do this. He's just, he's on fire, he, he runs out, he turns five into 10 bags, he turns 100 years of wages into 200 years of wages. Look at verse 70. Also the, also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. He didn't go immediately, I don't know why, but in the parable, he turns two into, into four. 
But look at verse 18. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. I'll give him credit. He knew it was the master's money, not his. He got part of the stewardship principle. I know it's not mine, to earth, but he buries it. And they say in that culture, it was common for many to take the safe road and they would take their wealth and they would bury it in the ground for safekeeping. They'd hide it somewhere in their property. No one knows where it is. And they'd bury it in the ground. Here's my fear. Here's my concern that the enemy has tricked many believers to bury their abilities, to bury their talents, to bury their resources, to hide it. And I believe God has been saying to me this week, he wants to pull out the Holy Ghost shovel and he wants to dig out those talents, those abilities. He, you see, God's gift to you is the potential he's given you. And your gift to God is what you do with that potential for his kingdom. Did you hear me today? God's gift to you is potential. And every one of you watching me right now on site, overflow room, online, God's given you a potential. God's given you a purpose. God's got a plan. God's got a destiny. God's got something great that he wants to do in you and through you. And, and we need to say, Lord, use me in any way that you want. It's time to no longer bury it. We need, we need, we need to discover the gift. We need to develop the gift, and we need to deploy the gift. Now, here's the problem. I've seen many churches go on a journey to help their church discover their spiritual gifts, and their goal was to get everybody to discover their gift. Hear me. The goal is not to discover your gift. The goal is to deploy your gift. The goal is to see your gift used for the kingdom of God. And I've seen many churches put all their energies just to discover, but they failed to realize Holy Spirit wants those gifts deployed. And I'm calling the house today, let's not bury our gifts in the name of Jesus. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God wants, God wants to use every single one of you. And there's number four. This one gets me. A day of accountability is coming. Oh, yeah. A day of accountability is coming. You can write down Romans 14, 12, because Romans 14, 12, Paul said that each of us are going to have to give an account to God for what we've done. We're going to stand before God. And he's going to hold us accountable for what he's entrusted to us. He's going to hold us accountable. Verse 19 in the parable. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled the accounts with them. And so the master came back. He settled the accounts. Jesus is coming back, and he's going to look at me, and he's going to look at you and say, what did you do with what I entrusted to you? What have you done? And I pray in the name of the Lord, we wouldn't bury it, whether we are a child here today from Wow Kids, or we're in our 90s, or we're somewhere in between. God 
has a purpose for your life. As long as you've got breath in your lungs, you've got potential for the kingdom here on earth. This is not the time for us to sit back and soak and sour. This is the time for the church to rise up like a God army and say, we are not gonna be discouraged in this, in this crazy, difficult season. We're, we're gonna rise up by faith in the name of the Lord, and we're gonna see, come on, Woodville, we're gonna see the kingdom of God advance. Number five, this, 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 this is kind of cool. What you do with what you have reveals your view of God. What you do with what you have is gonna reveal your view of God. One of my favorite writers is A.W. Tozer, and he wrote some classic books. One of his powerful quotes is this. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. How you view God is the most important thing about you. And how you view God becomes the lens and the filter of how you view life. So let's go to our parable. Let's look at verse 20 down to verse 25. The man who received five bags of gold, this is verse 20, brought the other five. So he, remember, he's the guy that ran out immediately and he turned the five bags into another five. He's got 10. He received five bags, brings the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I love the last part of verse 20. See, I've gained five more. And I looked up the word see and it means look, look what I've done. Look, this is so cool. Behold, look what I've done. He all excited. And so his master responds to him in verse 21, well done, good and faithful servant. Those are words of affirmation. And I believe that when we use what God's entrusted to us, God smiles upon us and he breathes words of affirmation because God loves when his children use the God-given resources he's given for kingdom purpose. And so it starts with affirmation, well done, good and faithful servant. Watch this. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. When we're faithful with what he entrusts to us, he gives us more. God is looking to say, I can trust you with this, and because I can trust you with this, I'm gonna trust you with more. I'm gonna, you see, church, God will entrust you and I individually, and you and I as a church corporately, when we live our lives not with closed hands, but open hands. Say, God, it's yours. Use me. And so it starts with affirmation, and then it moves to promotion, and, and he elevates. And then he says, come and share your Master's happiness, the latter part of verse 21, it moves to celebration. Verse 22, it's the same deal with the guy with two bags, the man with two bags of gold. He comes and says, Master, you entrust me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied in verse 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm gonna put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Affirmation, promotion, and celebration, but watch this. Then, verse 24, the man who received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew that you're a hard man. Oh, you're a hardworking man, Master. You're a hard man. Harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seeds. So I was afraid, <laughs> and I just went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. 
Church, look this way. The guy with the one bag of gold viewed God as a hard, or viewed his master as a hard man. And because he viewed his master as a hard man, he was gripped with fear. And so he buried it. You know, church, what the devil wants to grip you and I with is fear. Fear will paralyze the church. This isn't the time for the church to walk in fear. This is the time for the church to rise up and walk in faith, not fear. God's not giving us spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of love and power and a sound mind. God is not a hard man. God is not an angry man. How you view God is how you will view life. Your view of God will determine how you live out your God resources. So here's what Mark does. God, whatever you bless me with, whatever gift, talent, ability, possession, or finance, it's not mine. I'm just a manager of it. So God, I want to I want to be used for your kingdom. I want to see your kingdom advance. You have never yet and you never will see a hearse pulling a U-Haul because you can't take what you what you have to, to heaven, but you can send it on ahead. And I believe God is saying to the house today, let's have a kingdom mentality. Let fear be gone in the name of the Lord. May we say, God, I want to do whatever you want me to do. I want to go and be whatever you want me to be. Somebody give a little clap offering of praise to our Lord God. Now, principle number six, what you have, you got to use. Because if you don't use it, you're gonna lose it. It's the principle of using or losing. What you have, you must use, or what you have, you're gonna lose. Let me read verse 26 down to verse 28. The master replied to the guy who had the one bag of gold and he buries it and said, you're a hardworking man and I was afraid so I buried it. The master said to me, you wicked, lazy servant. I want to ask you a question. Anybody want to be called wicked or lazy? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in that group. And, and I thought, well, maybe the word wicked in the original Greek is not as strong. It was actually stronger than the way it's translated. It actually means evil. <laughs> you evil, lazy servant. And I started to look at the Greek words, and, and they're kind of rhymed. The, the Greek word for wicked is ponir. And the Greek word for lazy is oknir. It's kind of like he used a rhyme so they remember, you wicked, you lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I've not sown. You gather where I've not scattered. Look at verse 27. Well, then you should have put, the least you could have done is put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I return, at least I would have gotten it back with some interest. You could have done that, but he didn't. So in verse 28, the parable, Jesus says, that the, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. I read that, I thought, why didn't he give it to the one who had five bags? Because he only had five. Why the guy, I don't know. Again, the principle, God can do what he wants. God can give you whatever gift he wants. God can give you as much money he wants. God can give you whatever job. Some of you are thinking, well, well I've worked hard for my money. Who gave you the ability to work hard? Well, I've got my degrees. Who gave you the smarts to get your degree? I mean, church, no matter how you look at it, God 
has given you the ability. He's given you the possession. He's given you the finances. He's given you the talents. He's given you. He, and he's saying, I'm only entrusting it to you. And if you don't use it for the kingdom, you're going to lose it. You, I'm telling you right now, church, I believe God is saying to the house that we got we to gotta get this in our spirit. I, I don't want to be wicked. I don't want to be lazy. God takes, God takes the principle of being a steward so serious that he says, if we don't do it right, we're like a wicked, lazy person. I don't want to be wicked, and I don't want to be lazy. I don't want this church to be wicked. I don't want this church to be lazy. I want this church to live with an open hand and be a blessing to the city of Ottawa, to the nation of Canada, and to around the world. I pray that our missions giving goes through the roof. I pray that this year, this church can do more in this city and in this nation and around the world for the glory of God Almighty. I pray that we would say, not my church, your church. Not my car, your car. Not my house, your house. Not my bank account, your bank account. Lord, Lord, take it from my head to my heart. Now, church, when you get a Holy Spirit revolution on stewardship principle, it will rock your life for the kingdom of God. But if you don't use it properly, you'll lose it. That's the principle. The last thing I want to share with you, and this one's a little tricky, who you know and what you do will lead either to abundance or agony in the next life. Who you know and what you do will lead to either abundance or agony in the next life. Let me close with verse 29 and verse 30. Verse 29, whoever has will be given more. It's like God says, I can trust you, so I'm gonna give you more. But they, and they will have an abundance. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. But then it's verse 30 that I have to be honest with you. It's a tough verse that many preachers don't talk about because it really shakes you up when you read it. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Can I just be honest? That doesn't sound like heaven, does it? It sounds like hell. And I'm like, Jesus, all the guy did was take his one bag of gold and bury it. That's all he did. Come on, Jesus. He didn't, he didn't take the money and buy himself a new chariot. He didn't go to the local fashion store and get a new toga. I mean, he, he buried it, and he brought it back to you, and you said in the parable, throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there is going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Come on, Jesus. Isn't that a little extreme? And you want to overread that verse, and, and I, I, I'm just going to share with you a little nugget of truth that I think that can help us. First of all, Jesus often shared shocking words to get our attention. And I can guarantee you, when he said those words in this parable, it shook the audience. Whoa. I think when you scrape to the core of it, there's a nugget that we need to hear today. Watch this. If we are truly, truly saved, and if we truly have Jesus in our life, generosity and giving and serving will be a natural outflow of the change in our life. 
In other words, it's an oxymoron to have someone who's a believer doing nothing for the kingdom of God. It doesn't make sense. You don't work for your salvation, but because of your salvation, you are saved, which leads to serving. Let me word it differently, and I know this is true. The happiest Christians on planet Earth are those who are doing something for the kingdom of God. There's a lady in this church, and she's way up in her senior years, and she often doesn't make it to church. And I remember the day she called me and said, Pastor, there's not a lot that I can do right now at my stage of life for the kingdom, but, but there's something I can do. She said, I love to knit. She said, you shared about an outreach in downtown Vanier and how they need some hats and scarves and mittens for the, for the people down there, and there's homeless people downtown, and I like to help. I like to do something. I, I gotta be honest with you. I thought she was gonna make me two scarves and two pairs of mittens and, and one hat. I, I, I don't know why I thought that, because I thought, you know, God bless her. She just wants to do something for the kingdom of God. And one day, her family showed up with bag after bag after bag filled with mittens and scarves and hats. And they said, and there's more to come. And she says, I get up every day and I sit on my chair and I'm knitting for Jesus. Come on, somebody give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord. I love that. I love that. I love that. Whether you're in your 80s, your 90s, or in well kids, God has given you potential. And God's gift to you is the potential he's given you. And your gift to God is what you do with that God-given potential for a kingdom purpose. And stewardship is saying, God, you've entrusted these abilities. You've entrusted these talents. You've entrusted these possessions. You, you've entrusted these dollars. And God, I, it's not mine, it's yours. And so whatever you want me to do, Lord, I want you to work through me for the kingdom of God. I'm inviting everyone in this house to take this message and say, Holy Spirit, move it from my head to my heart and then let it be lived out in my life. I'm not gonna bury it any longer. Take your Holy Spirit shovel. Let's dig it out and may the church be the church. And may God use us for his kingdom. Somebody, somebody, somebody say amen. Would you stand with me? Father God, I pray in the mighty holy name of Jesus that you would take this scripture, this parable, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would burn it into our spirits. I pray, God, that the kingdom mentality would just get so deep in our spirit today. I pray, God, that in these troubling, difficult times that we would be reminded that these are the last days and Jesus, you are coming back soon. So God, I pray that this parable that you gave right on the heels of talking about their soon return would grip our hearts today. 
I pray, God, that we would know that the potential that you have for this church in this city and in this nation, every gift is sitting in this house. Every dollar that is needed to advance the kingdom is sitting right here that you want to do through us, Lord. Every dollar is sitting here. God, I know that there's abilities, there's talents. There's so much in this great church. And you've brought people, Lord, from all around the world to this church, over 80 nationalities. God, there's people who are in this church for one week. There's people who've been here for 50-plus years. But, God, you brought us together for such a time as this. And I'm praying, God, that you would, you would take these stewardship principles and burn it in our hearts. That, God, we'd be reminded that we are not an owner, we're a manager. God, just before we close, we want to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise because it's never about us. It's all about you. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody shout it. Amen. I said everybody shout it. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. Just lift your hands. Let's just worship together for a few final moments.
head is bowed, everyone's eyes are closed, whether you're in the main auditorium in an overflow or watching online. We've been talking this morning about stewardship, and I remind you that on the heels of this parable is the scripture, no one knows the hour or the time of the return of Jesus. If Jesus came back today, are you ready? Was there a time, was there a place, was there a moment that you personally asked Jesus Christ into your life? I'm not asking you to go to church. I'm not asking you to read your Bible. I'm not asking you, were you given the offering today? I'm asking you, have you asked Jesus to come into your life? The only way to an eternity in heaven is through a personal relationship with Jesus. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Was there a time, was there a moment that you said yes to Jesus? If you can't answer that question with a definite yes before this service closes, whether you're here on site, main auditorium, overflow room, or watching online, I'd have no greater joy than leading you in a prayer to receive Jesus. So if you never asked Christ in your life, I want to invite you to join me in this prayer. We're going we're gonna to join you as you pray. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life today. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Today, I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open our eyes. Come on, let's celebrate salvation. Now, if you prayed that prayer, you made the best decision of your life. You're here on site and you prayed that prayer on your way out exit point. There's a table and some friendly people there. We got a Bible for you. It's free. A little booklet for you called Follow. It's free. And we have an online discipleship class called Follow that we'd love for you to sign up with and become a part of that. If you've accepted Christ in your life already, take the next step. Get baptized in water. You heard on the announcement clip, there's a water baptismal class this Sunday. We baptized 16 people Easter Sunday, and we want to keep on baptizing people as they go public with their faith, identifying with Christ's death and his resurrection. If you're our guest this morning, can we one more time give a great big, warm, heartfelt welcome to all of our guests. If you're here on site, on your way out, exit point, there's a table. We've got a coffee cart for you, our way of saying thank you for coming. And uh, if you don't have a life-giving, Bible-believing church that you regularly attend, we'd love to have you in the journey. If you're watching online from somewhere else in Canada, we'll help you find a great local church that you can connect with. Well, friends, this coming Wednesday is a Serve Class 101. It's our way of helping people discover and then deploy them into their serving. And, and, and you know what, church? We've talked stewardship. And if you haven't found your place of serving, let us help you find that place. There's something that God wants to do in you and through you. And sign up for it. It's an online class. And we're going to help you uh, discover and develop and be deployed to be used for the kingdom of God. Woodville, Evelyn, I love you guys so much. And we honestly believe that there is potential. God given potential all over this house. And I just sense in my spirit that the destiny, the future that God has is greater, bigger than I could ever imagine. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. And I feel the spirit of the Lord speaking to me right now in this moment. And I believe he's saying to me to say to you, as we keep leaning into Jesus humbly, leaning into him, he's going to trust us with more. And he's going to use us in ways that we never thought we ever dreamt possible. 
but he's calling us to walk in humility and always give the glory and the honor to King Jesus. But I feel the Lord saying to me to say again, there's potential all over this place. God's gift to you is the potential that he's given you. And I feel the Lord saying to me that there's way more potential in you than you can even imagine. There's something that's locked inside of you that God, by the power of Holy Spirit, is about to release. Look out, Woodville. There's going to be a fire of the living God that's going to flow through this place like we have never experienced before. And I just want to give him all the glory. I want to give him all the honor. I want to give him all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. So I might be your lead pastor, but the true CEO of this church is Jesus. And I lift up his name. And I, I just feel a now moment right here. I feel Holy Spirit saying to me to say to this place, I, I, I pledge that whatever we do as a leadership team will always come under the authority of what Jesus wants for this church to do. It's not about me. It's not about you. I, I keep saying, Jesus, show us and lead us. But I feel Holy Spirit saying to me, if we get this stewardship thing from here to here, and we live it out to the best of our ability, we're going to see a revival like we have never experienced before. And I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying there's going to be signs and wonders and miracles that's going to blow this place away. That there's going to be people who have blindness come in this building. They're going to walk out. They're going to walk in blind. They're going to walk out with sight. They're going to walk out with sight. And I feel the Lord saying that if we're willing to press into the place of prayer, he's going to light a fire that's going to burn. And the Lord's going to use his church to be a blessing to many other churches in the days, the weeks, the months, and the years ahead. I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying to me to say to the well kids that you're not the church of tomorrow. You're a part of the church of today. God's going to use this next generation in greater ways than we ever imagined. They're not the church of tomorrow. They are a part of the church today. Just lift your hands to the heavens right now. I just want to pray as we close. Father God, even as I share this, Lord, I just believe I've just been obedient to what you just put into my spirit in these final moments. But God, I'm praying that you would take your word this morning and sow it deep in our spirits. I pray, God, that there would be a Holy Spirit revolution that would take the word from my mind to my heart, and it would be lived out in everyone's life, that, God, that we would know it's not our money, it's not our house, it's not our possessions, it's not our ability, it's not our talents, it's all yours. And, God, that I pray that we would, we, we would allow you to use these God-given resources for kingdom purpose in the name of the Lord. God, you brought us together as a church for such a time as this, and I really believe that the best is yet to come. But, God, I believe you're calling the house to understand in a deeper measure these stewardship principles. So Lord, I'm asking you, take it from our heads to our hearts for everyone on site and everyone online. Now, Jesus, we give you all the glory and the honor in Jesus' name.
Amen.